Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can go ahead and be seated. Again, it's so good to see you this morning. Thank you for being here. Man, just a a great, great morning to celebrate together. It's always good to be in the Lord's house together. So I'm genuinely thankful that you are are here. And we've been doing a series the last couple of weeks that we're calling We Believe. It's one of our core church values, family values that, that we have that we really want to be like distinguishing marks on our lives as members of this church, but more significantly, as followers of Jesus. We want it to be a culture that we have in our church, that we are people of faith, not just things that we believe uh, doctrinally and that we adhere to them in a mental way, but we want a real, live, active faith, that faith would be a force in our life, active and, and working. And we've been talking about different aspects of that. We started off just trying to lay the groundwork of how significant, how important it is for us to have a real, live, living faith, a faith that is growing and active in our lives. We looked at passages that mention some of the things that faith does in a person's life. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that without faith, it's impossible for you to even please the Lord. Without faith, we can't even please him. In Romans chapter 1, it tells us that God's work in a person's life is accomplished from start all the way through to the very end. It's all accomplished by faith. It says that the righteous person or the just person lives by faith. The the life that we have in Jesus, the way that we walk in this newness of life that we just celebrated, it comes by faith. In Ephesians chapter 6, we looked at that passage that talks about the full armor of God. It's talking about such significant things like the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Then it says, above all, taking the shield of faith by which you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So we we talked about some incredible, incredible things that faith does in a person's life or how vulnerable a person makes themselves by not developing their faith. And we talked about how to grow in our faith or where faith comes from. If it's important, okay, how do I get it? The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by hearing hearing the word of God. We said we're going to engage in an unusual way with God's word because we want to progress in an unusual way when it comes to this area of our faith, that we're going to feed on the word of God. That's where it comes from, that the word of God is like a delivery van or the, the means by which faith is delivered into our lives. Last week, we talked about making a determination that our lives will line up with what God's word has to say about us. It doesn't matter how we feel. It doesn't matter how other people perceive us, what other people say about us, that our commitment, our determination is that my life, my words, everything will line up with the word of God. We looked at a passage that says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, that my saying, my words, the way my life speaks, my life will answer, it'll echo, it will reverberate what God has to say about me, what he says that he's done in my life, the things that God's words says that are already accomplished on my behalf, on your behalf. We're going to live lives that put those things on display. Amen? We looked at Ephesians chapter 1 that says, because of our union, because we've been united with Jesus, we've already been given every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing already belongs to us because of that that relationship, because of that union that we have. It's not something God's considering that he might do that's coming down the road somewhere in the distant future. It's already been given to us. So it's up to us to believe it to believe that information and to begin to act on it. We looked at the life of Abraham where where God said, I've made you a father of many nations before he had any kids. In in Genesis chapter 17, and it talks about it in Romans chapter four, I have made you. And it says that it was his belief. The reason he became a father of many nations is because he believed that God had already done it in the unseen realm. We talked about how faith moves things from the unseen realm into the seen realm. Faith is action. We talked about that progression. You come across information. You read something. You hear something. Then you either believe it or you don't believe it. And then you choose to act on it or not act on it. Bible faith is acting on what we believe. James says that without acting, without works, faith is dead. In fact, he says, like the body is without breath, 
so faith is without works, like a body without breath. And if you've ever taken CPR classes before or not, but they, they teach you that if you come across a person who's unconscious, laying on the sidewalk, laying in the road or something, you can begin to examine them. One of the things you want to check for is whether they are breathing or not, right? And if they're not breathing, there are certain methods you can do to try to get breath into them. They've got fancy apparatuses that you, you can squeeze and put on over their face, or there's good old-fashioned mouth-to-mouth, right? You can just put your mouth right on top of theirs, and what do you start doing? Okay, I, was, I, I threw that question out there. I was a little nervous where we're headed. You start, you, you start breathing into their, right? You're, you're putting your breath into them and you can resuscitate them. You can sustain their life. You can, you can continue their life by putting breath into them. So if we take that and apply that truth to what James tells us, at, like a body without breath, so faith is without works. Well, if your faith is struggling, if you, man, in this area, I'm just really struggling to, to break through in my faith. Acting on the word of God is like CPR for your faith. My faith just feels weak. It feels like it's dead in this area. Start acting on the word of God in that area. And it's like receiving CPR to bring life, like bringing breath back into a person, bring life back in into your faith. So I want to continue talking about this this morning. We're going to continue to develop ourselves, our church family as men and women with faith. Amen. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. can't really talk about faith very long without talking about Hebrews chapter 11. While you find that, I want to start off reading from 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 3. It says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. So Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he says, I mean, I rejoice when I think about you. I'm remembering you. I'm praying for you. And I, I'm persuaded that the faith that was in your grandma, the faith that was in your mom is in you. And he defines this faith as a genuine faith. The King James Version says an unfeigned faith. It means a faith without hypocrisy, that it's genuine, it's real, it's sincere. It's not a facade. It's not fake or phony. It's real, genuine faith non-hypocritical. It's the same word in the Greek that's used in Romans chapter 12 when he says that you should, we should really love one another, that our love should be without hypocrisy. So hypocrisy means to act one way, but really be another way, right? You're, you're faking. You are phony. You're just acting like something. Well, there's a couple of ways that we can be hypocritical. If you are hypocritical when it comes to love, one of the ways is that you can pretend to love someone, but you don't really love them, right? Have you ever done that? Of course, of course you haven't, right? Nobody's, nobody's ever done that. You pretend to love someone, you're acting like you love them, but you know what? You don't really love them. That's one way, and typically that's all we think of, but if being hypocritical is acting one way and being another way, then that means there's another way we can be hypocritical. Have you ever loved someone but you didn't act like you love them. Then that's another way that we can be hypocritical. This past week, just kind of spur of the moment, we decided to go to an escape room. I don't know if you've ever been to an escape room. It's where you pay a stranger money to lock you in a room and uh, time you to see how long it takes you to figure your way out of the very room that you paid them to, to lock you in. So we decided to do that, just kind of a, a fun family outing. And if you've done it, you get clues and you, the timer's clicking down. You only have so long to, to get out of the room. And as, we're, as a family, we're supposed to be like a bonding, happy thing. We're, we're finding clues. And uh, I, I got a little bossy and I'm, I'm shouting out orders, get, get this, grab this. And my, my wife said, hey, you're, you're not being very nice. You're, you're, being, you're being mean. And I really, she was right. I was caught up in the, the moment, you know, just whatever excuse I, I can apply to that. But I, I wasn't, I love my family. I really do. I love my wife. I love my children. I love them. But I wasn't acting consistent with that love. So I had a hypocritical 
love. Does that, that make sense? So we, we don't just want to act like it and not really have it, but we also don't want to have it and not, and not act like it. And so we can apply that to faith. It's the same word used when he calls out the faith of Timothy. He says, I, I see what's special about your faith is it's genuine, it's unfeigned faith, which means there can be a feigned faith. So when it comes to faith, we don't want to be people that just say a bunch of words and, and pound our chest and we kind of strut around like we're faith people, but under it all, we, we're, not, we're not really, right? But we also don't want to be people that genuinely believe the word of God, but we never act like it. That's hypocritical faith as well. You're a man of faith. You are a woman of faith. Amen? We're men and women of faith. We believe, we believe the word of God. We've got to be careful that we don't become hypocritical and that there's never any, we don't act like, we don't talk like it, that our, our behavior isn't consistent with the fact that that's, that's who we are. Amen? So I want to look at this passage from Hebrews 11 because it gives us uh, some understanding about what faith is, kind of gives us an aspect of defining, defining faith. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse one, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. We'll read the next verse, but if you read all of chapter 11, it goes on after these verses to talk about elders, the people that were older that came before, that they did amazing things. They obtained incredible testimonies. They're, they're, they can sit back and tell things that happen in their lives that are absolutely amazing, wonderful things that God did in and through them. And the way that it happened, the way that they got those good testimonies was by being people of faith. I want good testimonies in my life. You want good testimonies. You want to be able to sit back and talk about amazing things, exploits that occurred in your life. The only way that that happens is for us to be men and women of faith. It says, by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. Verse three, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. This is that same idea that faith brings things from the invisible realm, the spiritual realm, into the seen realm. And he's applying it to the creation account that everything that is seen, if you can see it, things that we can touch, your body, this building, everything, it came from the unseen realm, and it happened by faith. Let's go back to verse one. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. This is review for some of us, but it's important review. What is faith? This says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. That word in the Greek is a compound word. I wrote it down. The word is hypostasis or hypostasis. It's a compound of two words, one meaning under, something comes under, and the other word means to stand, to make to stand. So literally, it means it's a substructure or a foundation. So it can be translated as confidence, as assurance. I read it to you in the New King James Version where it says substance. That's a good translation because you can see it's kind of a compound word as well. Sub coming under and then stance, like I'm taking a stance, I'm able to stand. And so it says faith is a substructure. Faith is a substance. A substance to what? What is it a substructure of? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. How many know hope is a powerful force in our lives? It's important that we have hope in our lives. If somebody doesn't have hope, they're, they're in a desperate state. You need to have hope. If you, you can have things that are around you that are bleak, that don't look good, you can be in a grim situation that things seem dark, but if you have hope, it's like a, a beam of light breaking through that darkness that you know that it's possible for you to get out of that darkness, right? It's good to have hope. We need to have hope. And you can have hope for all kinds of different things. You can hope to feel better. You can, see your, you can hope to have your health increase. You can hope to succeed. You can hope to do better financially. You can have hope when it comes to your career. You can hope to have a marriage or to see your marriage improve. You can hope to have children or hope to see certain things happen in your children's lives. We, we can hope for all kinds of things, but if our hope doesn't have a substructure, if it doesn't have a foundation, if it doesn't have a substance, then the hope that we can have can just be almost just a generic dream. In fact, hope can be deceptive. It can be invalid hope that there's really no basis for what you're hoping for. You've probably known someone or maybe you've been someone that had a hope, but there was really no reason for the person to have that hope. 
just kind of a, a, a whimsical dream. That's not the kind of hope that it's talking about. It's talking about faith provides a substance for hope. So you can have just a hope that floats around and it isn't really attached to anything. It's just kind of a, a crossing fingers. I, I really wish this happens. Or we can incorporate faith and allow our hope to have a structure under it by involving the word of God. And then our hope moves from whimsical wishing and fantasy to a valid expectation of things that will, will happen in our lives in the future. That, that's a Bible hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So instead of just longing to feel better, standing on the word of God and saying, I know that Jesus carried my sickness and my pains and by his stripe, healing belongs to me. And so I'm hoping to get better. It's a valid anticipation that my body is going to grow stronger and not weaker. Amen? I'm not just hoping in a generic way that someday after this life, there might be something nicer on the other side. Wouldn't it be cool if after this life was over that we could, we could be someplace that was even better than earth and there'd be no more crying and no more tears? Wouldn't that be really cool? We could just kind of wish for that and long for that and have an unattached, unsubstantiated hope, or we can attach the word of God to it and say, I know that entrance into that realm has been purchased by the blood of Jesus. And Jesus said, he's going to prepare a place for me that where he is, I can be there too. That I'm anticipating when this life is over, I have a hope that I'm going to spend eternity in the presence of God. That faith is the substance. It's the substance of things hoped for. And what else is faith? Faith is the evidence. It's evidence of things not seen. This is important. And this is where a lot of people, kind of the wheels come off of their faith because just by nature of being a person, it's easy to go by things that we see, things that we touch, things that we feel. And we, we want our faith to fall into that realm. But this lets us know faith deals with the unseen realm. Faith is the evidence of what? Of, of things unseen. Faith deals with unseen. How many of you have faith that I'm standing on this platform right now? Not, not people listening online, but people that can see me right now. You have faith that I'm standing on this platform. You, you don't. You don't. Because you can see it. And once it's seen, you can believe it, but that's a different kind of, of believing. Faith has to do with things that are unseen. Once, once you see it, it's no longer, it's no longer faith. There, there's a believing that's only attached to when you see, right? This past week, I was at the gym, and I was talking to somebody as we're getting ready to work out. They, they mentioned someone who used to work out with us, but doesn't work out with us anymore. And they said, hey, you know, so-and-so, I, I won't say this person's name because they go to church here. Uh, they, they said, hey, you know, so-and-so, they're coming back to the gym. They're going to start working out with us again. Do you know what I said? I said, I'll believe it when I see it. I, I, I'll believe it when I see it. I don't, have, I don't have faith, sight unseen, that that's going to happen. So my belief is attached to seeing. And that's one kind of believing. That's the kind of believing that Thomas had when he heard that Jesus was no longer in the tomb, but he was up and, and appearing to people. He said, I'll believe it when I see it. When, when I see Jesus for myself, when I put my fingers into his scars, when I, when I can touch those wounds, then I'll believe. And you remember the story when Jesus appeared to Thomas and said, okay, here, here I am, T touch away, start, start examining, do whatever you've got to do to believe. And he said, Lord, I believe. Jesus said, you believe because you see. But he said there's a special blessing for people who don't see, but they believe. Because he's talking about Bible faith. What, what says in Romans or Hebrews chapter 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God. That, that's what, what God wants in our lives, a belief, a faith that isn't attached to the seeing realm. Bible faith has deals with the unseen realm. If I told you I have a $100 bill in my pocket, you could choose to believe it or not believe it. It's that same progression we've talked about. You, you've heard information. Now you're going to evaluate it based on who's saying it. You're going to think about me and think, if, if, did I mean it when I said I had a $100 bill? I don't think, I don't think he has $100. Look, look at that guy. He doesn't look like he would ever have a $100 bill. You're, you're evaluating by some means. Uh, this is just an illustration. Is it, is it real? You're going to come to a conclusion. Either you believe I have a $100 bill in my pocket or you don't believe I have a $100 bill, dollar bill in my pocket. All you have to go on is my word. And if you believe 
then you, you could act on it. I could say, hey, just hey, let me see a show of hands. How many of you believe? And that action, because it's sight unseen, would be faith. If I pulled it out and showed it to you, then it would cease to be faith at that moment because now, now you have seen it. Faith deals with the unseen. I, I could even say, hey, the first person after service to ask me for the $100 bill, I'll, I'll gladly give it to them. And you'd be acting on that, on that belief, and that would be faith, and that's the way that you would end up receiving Right? So faith deals with, with the unseen realm. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So he's giving us instruction that as we walk through this life, we're not supposed to look at things that are temporary or things that are seen. What are we supposed to look at? We're supposed to look at things that aren't seen. How in the world do we look at things that aren't seen? It's talking about through the eyes of faith, through, through spiritual eyes, that I'm not limited to the things I can see in the natural. My attention, my focus, the reason I make the decisions I do should be based in the unseen realm, in the spiritual realm, based on, based on the word of God. A few verses later into the next chapter, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. One of the things we understand from that is that they are mutually exclusive. That if I am walking by faith, what, what am I not doing? If I'm walking by faith, I am not walking by sight, Right? And if I choose to walk by sight, if you know that I'm walking by sight, what do you know that I'm not walking in? I'm not walking by faith because faith deals with the unseen realm. That's why you can say walk by faith. If you're doing that, we don't walk by, by sight. There, there's a couple of people in our church who are pilots. They have their pilot's license. And I don't know a whole lot about it. I've had a few conversations with them. And from what I understand is that you can have a pilot's license and be a legitimate pilot. You can go and, and fly a plane. You know how to take off, land, the whole thing. But there are different levels or ratings when it comes to your license. That you can be limited in when you can fly and where you can fly until you achieve different levels of testing and ratings. And you need to get an instrument, an instrument rating. That in your development as a pilot, there is a, a point you reach where you are no longer just going by looking out the window in a couple of, of simple gauges. That you're not just kind of glancing out and looking around and keeping an eye on things because there's times when you fly when visibility is limited or you have no visibility because it's dark or it's foggy or it's cloudy. And so there's a point in development where they no longer go by what they're seeing, but they're making all of their decisions purely on the instruments, on the technology that, that they have. That there's some metric of truth. There's some metric of, of seeing the reality of the situation regardless of what it looks like out the window. There's stories of pilots that get disoriented. They get confused because they thought they saw one thing and it was a, a, another way. They thought they were going up, but they were going down, or they thought they were going straight. It felt like we were going straight, but we were actually veering off to the left. All kinds of stories. Sometimes people fatally crash into a mountain or, or into the ocean because they get disoriented, and they were going by their feelings, going by visual cues instead of going by instruments. And the same thing applies to us in the spiritual realm, that we've got to have some metric we live our lives by, but besides just what we see and what we feel and what we think and what people tell us. You're not a pilot. I'm not a pilot, but maybe there's been some area in the natural where you can identify with really feeling like one thing was true direction wise, but when in reality, the, the direction you were looking for was something else. Have you ever gone hiking or camping and gotten turned around in the woods and you feel like the way back is west. It just feels like, I feel like that that is west. And then you pull out a compass and it turns out that that, that is west. And you've got to decide if you're going to go by that metric of, of truth and reality. And now it just feels like it. You know, it doesn't matter how much it feels like. If that's not west, it's not west. Your, your feeling in the fact that that's west doesn't change reality. By the look on your faces, you, you've not spent much time in the woods. Maybe you got turned around in a shopping mall. You got turned around in a parking lot somewhere. Is that more relatable? And you feel like, I feel like we came in, that the food court is that way. It just feels like. And then you check one of those little mall maps. 
food courts this way. It's this way, right? There, there's got to be some way for you to figure out. It feels like we parked over there, right? You feel one thing. I feel like I should go this way. Well, in our lives spiritually, there's way too much on the line to leave it to the seen realm, to the feeling realm. God has given us a metric that we, that we, can, we can determine truth in reality, that his word is a, a lamp unto our feet, a light to our path, that I make decisions. We've got to achieve our instrument rating in the things of the spirit by knowing the word of God and allowing this to be the compass of our lives, that we pilot our lives, not by our own minds, our own intellect, what we feel is right. I just feel like I should move this direction. What does the word of God say? What does the Bible say about that? And faith acts not on what is seen, not on what is, is figured out in your brain, but by what the word of God has to say about the situation. It feels like in my marriage, I should do this. What, what, what does the Bible say? We talked about this last week. It's so simple. Faith is just believing the word of God and acting on it. I feel like I should handle this situation, trying to make a decision. What does the word of God say concerning that? Let that be. Forget your feelings. You can feel one way or the other way. Your feelings are always changing, but the word of God never changes. Faith is evidence of things unseen. It deals with the unseen realm. It gives evidence. Faith is evidence. That, that's interesting, isn't it? Faith is evidence of something that you can't see. You can't see it, but you have evidence that it's a reality. That, that's what evidence is. Evidence isn't the thing. Evidence reveals the existence of a thing. That, that, that's what evidence does, right? So if you found, found a body, I'm not sure this is the second time we've come across a body this morning. Times are tough. We find a body, and it's going to be examined. Uh, it's a dead body. And how did this person uh, pass away? How did this person die? And they examine, and they realize, you know what? It wasn't natural causes. There's a gunshot wound in this body. That's, that's how this person died. They were, they were shot. Well, they can have evidence that there was a gun involved, evidence that there was a bullet involved, but that evidence isn't the gun. The evidence just lets you know that there was a gun. The evidence isn't the bullet, but it lets you know that at some point a bullet was involved in this, in this situation, right? Faith is the evidence of things that aren't seen. That faith is evidence that you have something that you can't see and nobody else can see that you have it yet, but your faith becomes an assurance that it is a, that it is a reality. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. This, this is significant. I want us to get this. It provides evidence that something exists, even though in the natural you can't perceive that it exists. Evidence is important. You don't have to have the thing. You can have evidence of the thing. If there's, if there's muddy boot prints all over the platform right now, I could look around. I don't have to have the person in muddy boots to know that there was someone with muddy, muddy boots up here, right? I, I, I've got evidence that somewhere out there, there's someone wearing muddy boots. I have evidence that reveal that that is a fact. Evidence lets you know that something exists and your faith becomes an evidence of things that have not yet been realized in your life, but you know that they're real. They, you know that they exist. You, they know that you're yours because you have evidence. What is that evidence? It's your faith. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. When I was a youth pastor, one of the things I, I loved doing when students would become seniors in high school and get ready to decide what they're going to do after high school, I would love to have conversations about that decision because it's like the first huge life decision that, that they make. After they get out of high school, what are they going to do? Are they going to go to college? And if so, what college are they going to go to? And if they go to college and they pick a college, what are they going to study there? What do they want to do? What do they want to be? This is a, a huge decision. And so some would get worried, stressed. They would get anxious about, about that decision. And one of the things that I would tell them is a confidence that God was going to give them wisdom and he was going to lead them and guide them, that confidence, that faith was assurance that he would lead them 
and guide them and give them wisdom and that they would end up in the right place at the right time, studying the right thing, choosing the right career path. Their faith that that would happen was an assurance. It was evidence that it would happen. They could just relax. They didn't have to feel like it. They didn't have to get some crazy dream or vision about what school to go to. That God was going to be faithful to guide them and direct them. And their faith was an evidence, an assurance that that would be a reality. And it's just, it's based on the word of God that if anyone lacks wisdom, what can they do? They can go to God and he gives wisdom liberally, but when they ask, they must ask believing. They have to ask in faith because the person who asks without faith, the Bible says, is like a, a wave of the sea that's tossed to and fro. And that person shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Passages of scripture that tell us that the Lord is our shepherd, that he leads us and guides us, that we're, we're led by the Holy Spirit, that we're not left in the dark. We have the light of God's word. Standing on passages like that can, can build a faith and keeping that faith becomes an evidence or assurance that the thing you're believing for, it's going, it's going to happen. This is so important in our lives, that it's not on, on how you feel. For, forgiveness is a key area. Have you ever... Have you ever fallen into sin, did something you know you shouldn't have done, you feel guilty and ashamed, and you feel like there's distance between you and the Lord, he's upset with you, you can't really relate to him, um, you can't really enter his presence, you just feel so condemned by what you did. And so you ask God to forgive you, but you still feel ashamed. You feel like it didn't take. Have you ever felt like that? God, please forgive me. I don't feel like he forgave me. God, I sinned. I messed up. I shouldn't have. I know I shouldn't have done it. Please, I'm so sorry. I still feel guilty, right? And people will spend their entire relationship with the Lord on that same treadmill of just apologizing, apologizing, apologizing. Or you, you can find a passage of scripture like 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 that says, when we confess our sins, he's faithful. And he's just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And it doesn't matter how I feel. My, my trust in the fact, I, Father, I believe your word. That becomes an evidence. I'm forgiven and I'm clean. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. It doesn't matter what you think of me, how I feel about myself. I have evidence that something else is a reality because of my faith in the word of God. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. If we don't get this, we're missing a key truth about faith. Faith Faith deals with the unseen realm. Faith moves things from the unseen realm to the seen realm. Once they show up in the seen realm, we no longer need faith for them. But we, we want to believe and have faith just in stuff that we see. That sometimes our attitude towards the word of God when it comes to healing or provision or leading or guiding is like my attitude towards that person that may or may not ever darken the door of that gym again. I'll believe it when I see it. I will be a man of faith when I see it. Well, you've missed your opportunity to be a man of faith because faith deals with the unseen realm. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Starting in verse... 23, Jesus says this, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. In verse 24, Jesus is, says, says, therefore, let, let me just sum this up. Let me give you the bottom line. Here's kind of the, the gist of it. Verse 24, therefore, I say to you, based on everything else, let me just bring clarity to it. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, some translations say, whatever things you desire, whatever things you desire, whatever things that you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive. What's the result? and you will have them. You shall have them. You'll have what? He's giving us like a, a time sequence. When you pray, what do I need to do when I pray? Believe that I receive. When, when do I believe when I receive? I believe that I receive, not when I receive. I believe that I've received when I pray. If I believe that I receive when I pray, then I shall have. Have what? Not the things that I asked for. Not the things that I, I dreamt of and wished for and desired. It doesn't say you'll have whatever you, you desire. It 
It says, you'll have the things that you believe you received when, when you prayed. If I prayed for it, but I didn't believe that I received it, then I have no biblical uh, basis to expect that I'll, I'll receive those, those things. It's, it's a requirement of faith that I believe I received it before I actually see it become a reality in my life. We see it with wisdom in James chapter one. We see Jesus giving the same principle here. Therefore, I say to you, the things that you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. You know, God, God is a now God. God is in the present tense. You know, even when he revealed his name Yahweh in the Old Testament, it's, it's a, a strange conjugation form of the Hebrew verb to be. He says, I, I am that, that I am. God is in the present tense. So when we go to him in faith, when we go to him in prayer, when I ask him things, I need to, I, I need to step into the realm of now. Right? I need to engage in his realm. He's a God of now. When I pray, I believe that I receive, and that's what breaks me through. It's just a matter of time until I see it come into the natural, into the natural realm. This, this will change the way that we engage with the word. It'll change the way that we engage in prayer. That for a lot of people, when we go, when we go to God in prayer, it's just a wringing of our hands, a crying out to the Lord, uh, an offering of desperation, a pointing out of everything that's wrong in our lives. God, this is wrong, and that's wrong, and I don't know what I'm going to do about that. And this thing is a mess and that's okay where we can pour out our heart to the Lord. That, that's a good thing, but there needs to come a point when we cross over from just lamenting and pouring out our heart to coming to God based on, based on his word and believe that I receive what I'm asking for when, when I'm praying so I can see things come into a reality. We'll, we'll use wisdom again as an example. That when I go to the God, I don't want to just pull out my pockets inside out when it comes to wisdom. Say, God, I don't know what to do. I've never known what to do. I'm such an idiot. I'm so foolish. I don't know how to lead my family. How could I be so dumb? I'm just not sure what to do. I've got decisions to make. I, mean, I, I have no idea. If I just continue to regurgitate those same things over and over and never cross over into standing on the word of God, I have no basis, uh, I have no substructure of the thing I'm hoping to get answers. I'm hoping for insight. I've got to have a substructure of substance of faith that at some point I've got to say, God, I don't know what to do, but your word says if anyone lacks wisdom, what they can do is they can come to you and ask and that you give it to me liberally. And then it doesn't matter if I feel like I've got it. It doesn't, I don't have to have a light bulb all of a sudden appear above my head and I, I've got some idea. Whether I feel like it or not, based on your word, Father, I thank you that I have all the wisdom I need. Every decision I make is made with the wisdom of God. I thank you for it, Father. God, I praise you. I thank you for the wisdom that I've received from you. I, I believe that I've received it. And when it comes to decision time, I'll make the right decision. Amen? See, see, see the way that works? Where we pray understanding that there are two realms in life. That there's the seen realm and there's the unseen realm. And that faith walks according to the unseen. Turn your Bibles to, to 2 Kings chapter 6. This is a, a good example story. 2 Kings chapter 6. We'll start reading in verse 14. This is the story of the time that the king of Syria kept trying to attack Israel. But Elisha the prophet kept telling the Israelite army what the king of Syria was planning. He kept trying to ambush them, but every time they tried to ambush them, they were the ones that got ambushed because Israel was a step ahead. And it got to the point where the king of Syria thought there was a traitor, there was someone sharing secrets, and they said, no, it's, it's not that. It's that there's a, a, a guy in Israel who he has insight into everything. He knows what you talk about in your bedroom. He, he, he receives from, from God and tells the armies. And so the king of Syria said, well, we can deal with that. Find out where he is. Let's go eliminate this guy. And so that's what they do. They get an army together and they go after Elisha. We'll pick it up in verse 14. It says, therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. 
So there, there are two realms that are being dealt with. And in this story, there's one person that's walking according to the seen realm and one person who's walking according to the unseen realm, which is what we read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 5 that is supposed to be the case in our lives. And you can see the incredible difference of how they respond to the same situation depending on the realm that they were tied in with. The man that was walking according to the seen realm looked out and saw that there's a great army around them and he starts to cry out, alas, my master, what are we going to do? We don't stand a chance, man. We're as good as dead. There's so many of them. We're completely surrounded. He was in despair. He was frantic. He was panicked. What kind of decisions do you think would have come out of that if he would have been able to, to carry on from there without the man of God interrupting him? What kind of conclusion would you come to? Hey, you know what? We ought to just surrender. We ought to just go out there and there, there's, we, we don't stand a chance. Let's just turn ourselves over. Let the enemy have his way with us. That, that's a possible conclusion that you would come to. Or, I mean, they, they did crazy things in the Old Testament. They could have decided to fall on their swords, right? They could, the, the situation is so hopeless. Let's just end it. I'm not gonna, I don't want to be a prisoner of war. I don't want to turn myself over to them. Let, let's just end things. That happens in people's lives. When they walk according to the seen realm, that they become hopeless. They become full of despair, that they make decisions that are damaging, destructive, that end what God wants to do in their lives because they're just walking according to the seen realm. But we have another man that looks out and he sees a completely different scenario. He says that, that sees that there are chariots of fire all around him. And he prays that God would open the eyes of this servant and God does, and he looks and he sees, he sees that the, the mountain is filled with chariots of fire. When do those chariots of fire come into existence? Not just when that man's eyes were opened. They, they, they already existed, right? He just wasn't aware of them because they were, un, they were unseen. And instead of turning themselves over to the armies of Syria, Elisha leads them out. You can read the rest of the story. The, the entire army becomes blind and he leads them, like leading a puppy, right to, the, right to the king of Israel. And it's an incredible victory. Instead of them falling on swords or whatever destructive idea would have come out of that, it's an example for you and I when it comes to our prayer life or our life as, as a whole, that we don't despair. Hey, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. That I've, I've gained my instrument rating, that I'm walking and living and praying and thinking and talking according to the unseen realm. I'm not living according to the seen realm. It's impossible for me to be a man of faith and walk according to the scene. We walk not according to sight, but according to faith. Amen? You know, there's a story in one of Smith Wigglesworth's books. He, he was a great man of God, had incredible, incredible miracles. If you're not familiar with who he is, you, you should Google him, read some of his books, watch some of his stuff online. Lived a long time ago. There's a story in one of his, his books that talks about a woman who came to a conference that he was ministering at. And she had a, a goiter. And so she asked for prayer. He prayed for her. The meeting ended, came back the next morning because it was a conference. And she asked if, I, if she could give a testimony. And she got up to give a testimony of how God had wonderfully healed her of the goiter. She's celebrating, praising God. I just want to testify how God was so gracious to me, marvelously, miraculously healed me of my goiter. I just want to praise God. And people are looking at her and she still has the goiter. The next year at that same conference, she came again and she said, hey, is it okay if I give a testimony at some point? And they let her give a testimony. And she got up and said, hey, I just want to let everybody know, just give God praise and glory. Last year I was at this conference and that's when I received my healing. God miraculously healed me. I used to have, used to have a goiter and people are looking at her and she still has, still has the goiter, but she's still celebrating and praising God. The next year, the next year at that conference, same thing. She comes, says, hey, it's okay, I'd like, to, I'd like to praise God and give a testimony. And they give her the mic, and she testifies. About two years ago, two years ago, this same conference, I received prayer. I just want to praise God. He's so good to me. He marvelously healed me of my goiter. And at this point, this has been going on for, this is the third conference in a row. Someone pulls her aside and says, listen. You seem crazy. Everyone can see the goiter. You keep testifying. We, we can see the, the goiter. So she went home that night and she prayed, Father, would you, would you help them to see? Similar to the prayer that Elisha prayed. God, would you help them to see how good you've been to me? What, what I've been celebrating? Father, would you open their eyes to see that you 
that you healed me. I know that I'm healed. Would you help them to see? She showed up at the meeting the next morning with, with no goiter. So three, three years or two years, three conferences of praising God, walking according to the unseen, celebrating because she knew she received it when she prayed. She was already believing. She knew that she received it so that she will have it. The future will have. And you can hear that and think, well, that doesn't sound like faith. That doesn't sound like the kind of faith I want. I want, I want instant results. Well, listen, the father of our faith received a promise. Abraham received a promise that he'd become the father of many nations. 25 years later, after clinging to that promise, the Bible says he didn't grow weaker in faith. He grew stronger and stronger. He was acting on that faith, intensifying it, not backing off of it. God changed his name to a father of many nations. We read it last week, introducing himself. I'm a father of many nations. It was that faith that broke him through, that pulled things from the unseen realm into the seen realm. That if you, you don't feel good, watch the things that come out of your mouth. Watch the way that you behave. Are you going according to feelings and sight and circumstances, or are you going by your instrument rating? Are you allowing this to be the compass of your life? If you don't feel well, watch the things that come out of your mouth. Don't just talk about how you don't feel good. If you, you feel like you don't have money to meet your needs, watch what comes out of your mouth. That we're not just saying, hey, I, you know, I'm broke, I'm poor, man, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. Choose to align yourself with the Word of God. That the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in lack. That, that's what God's Word says. And God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but it's not up to the sheep to figure out what the shepherd's going to do. My job is just to trust. You've got things handled and I follow your leadership in my life. That my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. That we make a determination. I'm a man of faith. It does, I don't have to see it first. That's the, that's the problem that we fall into. A lot of people, instead of being like that woman, would receive prayer and by the time they got back to their seat, would already have talked themselves out of receiving what they prayed for. Man, it feels like my head still hurts. It didn't take. And it feels like I still got a little bit of a catch in my knee. I guess it didn't work. Instead of believing when you pray that you receive, when you pray, I've, I've received, I've already got my answer. It's already accomplished in the unseen realm. And that's the realm that I live in. That's the realm that I walk in. That's the realm that I speak from. That's the realm that I decide from. That's the realm that I live from. So in, in the seen realm, might you not, might not see it yet. I'm not concerned with this seen realm. I'm, my job is to walk in the unseen realm. Your job is to live in the unseen realm. We walk by faith, not by sight. And it's by walking according to, as evidenced in the life of Abraham, as evidenced in the story of that woman with the goiter. It's by walking in that realm. Believe that you receive when you pray and you will have it. You will have it. Let me read one more passage. Isaiah chapter 8. Faith is the substance, the structure, the foundation of things hoped for. Faith is evidence. It's evidence of things unseen. Evidence of things unseen. Faith becomes proof you have it before you have it. We've got to live from that realm. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19, it says, And when they say to you, Seek those who are mediums and wizards, who whisper and mutter, should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of, of the living? Saying instead of, instead of seeking out sorcerers and answers from this world, shouldn't, shouldn't people seek the living God when they're looking for answers and when they're, when they're looking for truth? God is the one that they should be seeking. Verse 20, it says, to the law and to the testimony. It's talking about where we seek for truth, where we seek for answers. Should, should they be going after all this crazy nonsense? Shouldn't they seek the living God and he's drawing our attention to the law and to the testimony, to God's word. That's where people should run, that we should be looking to the word of God. And then listen to what he says, verse 20 again. To the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. If they don't speak according to this word, it shows us something. You know, it matters what you say. What comes out of your mouth reveals whether you have light or whether you have darkness. If they don't speak according to this word, it shows, it reveals that there isn't light in them. You know, the Bible says the entrance of his word brings, brings light. The Bible says out of the abundance of a heart, a man speaks. 
So we've got to be careful what comes out of our mouth. It reveals things that we understand or things that we don't understand. There should be things that never come out of your mouth concerning your destiny. Things that you'll never hear me speak about my future. Things that you'll never hear me say about this body of believers. And if it doesn't line up with the word of God, I don't want it coming out of my mouth. I want there to be evidence that I've got some light on the situation, that I've got some revelation. I've gained some understanding that it's not, again, it's not just the words that we speak as important as they are, but our behavior, our action. You know, the, the way that you act in the physical is a revelation of the light you have in the spiritual realm, that the two are supposed to cooperate with one another. So we start off talking about not an, unfe- an unfeigned faith, not a hypocritical faith, that we, we want to act it, but we also want to believe it. But believing it isn't enough. We also have to act it. It's the two of them together. When you see Jesus instructing people on what steps to take to receive a miracle, he would often tell them to do something physical, and it was that physical action that broke them through to their miracle. And he would say things that often was the very thing that that person couldn't do. To a person that's paralyzed on a mat, he would say something like, rise and walk. How are you going to tell a paralyzed person? That's the one thing that they can't do. They can't rise and walk, but by their effort to begin to act on it is what got them to the point where they received a breakthrough and and a miracle. The man with the withered hand. What did Jesus tell the man with the withered hand? To stretch out your... you can't stretch it. That's the, it's withered. It's shriveled up. That's what you can't do. But as that man began to put effort, it revealed faith. And that's how he received his miracle. That I want my behavior. I want your behavior, the words that come out of our mouth, to be, be a sign that we've got some light. We've received some revelation. That God's word has entered me and I, I, I've received light from it. And if I don't live according to it, if I don't talk according to it, it's evidence that there is no light in me. What I want to do this morning is put one, put one small part of this to the test. That we're going to believe the word of God means what it says and that we can act on it and that we can have an expectation that God's word is going to prove prove true. That my belief in it, my faith in it is actually evidence that it's going to be a reality. Something very simple that we talk about a lot. God says he inhabits the praises of his people. That as we draw near to God, what does God promise to do? He promises to draw near to us. That we can take time this morning, we're going to do it, and say, listen, let's believe in faith. God's word is true. We're going to act on it. But before we even act, we're going to have a faith in our heart. We're going to take some time and draw near to God. And you know what's going to happen? As I begin to lift my hands, as I begin to to speak out of my mouth how much I love God, how much I long for him, you know what happens in the spiritual realm? The Bible says, as I take those steps, God starts taking steps. He starts to move in my direction. What does that mean? I don't know. I just want to experience it. He begins to draw near to me in a special way. Draw near to us. We can have an encounter with the presence of God. You know that. It's not just, hey, I I hope this is a great Sunday. We can have an encounter with the presence of God. This morning, this morning, to encounter his presence. I have evidence of it. It's my faith that God's word can be counted on, that he inhabits the praises of his people. In just a couple of moments, we're gonna to begin to praise God, begin to lift our voice. I'm looking for some people that are willing to participate in faith, not, not just action. We, we can hype it up. We can pretend like we believe. We, we need to have belief and the action, right? Both, both of them together. There's a way that you behave in the presence of God if you really believe that you're in the presence of God. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.